Good morning, and happy Easter. It's good to bring you a message from Easter and the Easter hope. We are all on a journey together trying to interpret our own lives. We are all sorting, sorting, sorting all the time, especially when nobody's around and nobody's listening but just us. We're, we're thinking about our experiences. We're thinking about our feelings about those. We're thinking about our dreams and disappointments, and we're sorting, 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 and we're asking questions like, is my life good or bad? Is it going to end well or poorly? Am I going to be okay or not? Um, what, how do I feel about myself? And we don't even use words, but we're all doing it. Everybody of all levels, we're sorting, sorting, sorting. And then we often are hit and stopped dead in our tracks when we have a massive monumental encounter with our biggest enemy, death. When it gets really close to home, that's when the sorting is, is supercharged on, on steroids and we ask, why? I was downtown 6 a.m. doing a pre-surgery hospital call once, this was many years ago, and a family called me on my cell phone and said, and her, the, the, the young lady in the house that they wanted me to talk to, her father had died suddenly of a heart attack, but her parents had gone through a real messy divorce, and he was away, and his new wife had called this girl's mother and said, you need to come, and we are not going to wake her up until you get here because we want you to tell her that her father died suddenly of a heart attack. And as I came into the house and they went and got her out of bed and so here's 14 year old coming out rubbing the cobwebs out of her pastor sitting in her den and she sat down and they said pastor's here he needs to tell you something and I said I don't know how to say this except that your father is passed away suddenly of a heart attack and she screamed as I would as you would at the top of her voice why pastor Nobody in the room expected me to answer that, and I was really relieved. Why now? Why so suddenly? Why, when I'm 14 or 15, I'll never see him on earth again? I felt that way, though, just in another year, because my father started to die slowly, two and a half years illness, and there I was at 36, standing at his grave, feeling the very same shouting, screaming, sorting, why now? Why this? Why is it so bad? Why does life feel like such a train wreck? I preach to others, and, and now I have to go through this grief now. Why now? The strongest person in my life for me was gone, and I was 39 years old. Why? Sorting, sorting, sorting. It was just three, three years later and two months that I stood at the very same spot because we buried my mother. And my parents that had gotten that deal in Dallas at Restland where you can put caskets on top of one another in the crypt. And so I've done many funerals by that time already anyway, and I kind of knew the gig, how it goes. Everybody leaves, and then they lower the body down, the casket down in there, and they they bury it. So I just kind of held back. And I looked. And I could see my father's casket. And my mother's on top of it. There's both your parents in a box. 
And I thought to myself, being a Christian and a pastor, if it weren't for the resurrection of Christ, I wouldn't know what to do with this. That's the message of Easter. The God of heaven who's hidden and doesn't tell you why about so many of the events that you're trying to sort out. and he's, You're saying, you're asking the question why. He says, I want you, rather than me give you the answers that you're looking for the way you're asking him, I want you to look at what happened with my son because that is the solution to every story where people are trying to sort out their lives. If it weren't for the resurrection of Christ, there would be no answer. There'd be no joy. There'd be no solution. Which on the flip side, I know I've gotten, gotten kind of somber here, but on the flip side is what's so beautiful about Easter. And the, the, the people that endured Easter, and we've got the picture up on the screen. Chad actually read right through the, the text of Luke's story. You know, the four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We read Luke's. But Here's my sermon is, you can see it in the bulletin on page 12. It's, that, it's those first 12 verses of chapter 24 where the women went to the tomb and the angels say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Because you're coming here with spices to, to anoint a body. The, these women had been with Jesus, but they just believed he was going to be dead and they're sorting and they're trying to understand it and they're trying to show him honor and they're, and they're there. And then the angels say, he told you he was going to rise from the dead after he suffered and died. And he told you that he would be taking away all sins and giving you eternal life. And they leave and they go tell the apostles. And what does it say? And I'm not going to read it to you again because it's there for you. But it says, they didn't really believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense to them. I know you're a thinking person. You guys are, are Americans, you're educated, you're, you're thinkers, you're sorters. And I know if you're like me, and you are, that you still often in your faith, and, and preaching and teaching the gospel is about building faith in, for people out of the word of God. I, I'm aiming to help you strengthen, be strengthened in your faith. I know that many times you doubt the message because we frankly don't get to just see him rise from the dead right here and it's always comforting every Easter to look at the people in Jesus lives while they got to see an empty grave and angels and Jesus even Matthew's gospel says while they're looking at the resurrected Lord some of them still doubted whether it was real they struggled just like you do to believe a person could be dead and alive again but it's entrusting that miraculous gift that we've got in our pocket and in our heart, the answer to the acrid feeling we get when we find out our daddy died, why Jesus has risen from the dead. We are going to be okay. We are headed to eternal life. Now there's lots of answers theologically to the why we're sinners. Sinners bring death on themselves. And then there, your soul goes to heaven when you die, and then your body rises up on the last day. But your assurance is that because Jesus has risen from the dead, you too will rise. That's what he said. And all of these people in the story struggled with it just like you do. They did. But God stayed with them. 
And he kept working with them. Look at my hands and my feet. Put your hand in my side. Remember Thomas? It wasn't there, that, that story that you just read with Chad. He wasn't there. And so the words of the men seemed like nonsense to him. The, the, and, and so the reason I went men is because the guys on the road to Emmaus that we read this morning said, our women told us they'd seen, him, seen the angels, but the men didn't see it. So, but then Thomas wouldn't even believe the men. He said, unless I put my hand in his side. And you want to say, Thomas, too bad. There, you had the message, but you just rejected it. And Jesus wouldn't do that. He showed up a week later, and he said, Thomas, put your hand. And this is what Tom, Jesus said to Thomas. You believe because you see. Truly happy and prosperous and blessed. That's what the word blessed means. Happy, prosperous, well-adjusted, strong in their faith. Truly are they blessed that don't see and yet believe. Well, hello, who is that in this room? <laughs> we haven't put our hands in his side or put our finger in his wounds. And here's my challenging question. Or are you blessed in that you believe the Easter message? That's the part you want to bear down on yourself. So that you tarry and you wait and you're in prayer looking at this promise of the gospel and saying, Lord, make that hope and that peace and that power and that grace and that gospel mine this Easter. That I truly find my greatest joy in the resurrection of your son for me and for my mom and dad and for all the many other people that I've lost. People that study humans say that we're in sorting we're all asking three big questions they can find a way to put all the questions of life under them who am i why am i here and where am i going and mental health people will tell you if you can't find answers that you feel are good and positive about who am i why am i here and where am i going you'll be mentally ill eventually you will it'll manifest itself and you'll make really poor decisions to try to fix the poor questions that you have of who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? So if you think of who you are as some dismal person that's part of a train wreck family that's got a train wreck life and you've ruined all your friendships and you're just a big washed out mess and an embarrassment to everybody else, well, there's one down. Why am I here? Well, I'm just in the way and I feel like other people is, you know, that I'm, I'm just here taking up space and I'm actually a problem to most people because I have so many significant others that avoid me. And where am I going? I can't see any improvement in my lifetime. There are the three big catalysts for what? Suicide, right? Is it any wonder that in America, at one of the most affluent nations in the world, that it's Suicide is, is spiking so much because people can't find those answers that are good and positive for who am I, why am I here, where am I? People, the answers are in this Christ. I'm a really, I am, really am a special creation that's really a redeemed child of God because he, when he rose again, that means his redemption is real. I really am completely forgiven. I don't have to live in the shame of my bad decisions. They are forgiven. I am washed clean. I am okay. 
because of him. See, it doesn't come from inside of me. It doesn't come from my performance. It comes from his. He has done it, we said Friday night, right? At the end of Psalm 22. It is finished. He has done it. It's who I am. I'm a redeemed child of God. I can answer that. Yeah, I've got some big mistakes, but I'm a redeemed child of God. And why am I here? Well, let's just take where am I going first. Where am I going? I'm going to go to the same place my parents did. How many of you that are getting older don't look at and remind yourself, okay, my mom or my dad made it to this far. I wonder if I'll die about the same time. We think about that, right? They're, this, we're, come, we're approaching there. Oh, I passed it. Oh, no, I'm, I may not pass it. Oh, I got cheated maybe because I'm terminally ill and I'm going to die three years before. My, we sorting and sorting and sorting and trying to make sense of it. Where am I going? I'm going to heaven. I am not going to die, John 11, at the death of Lazarus. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. The gospel replaces the worldly answers that are all based on the finality of a temporal life, and it gives you the eternal spiritual life. We're going to heaven because he rose from the dead. He said in John 5, because I live, you also will live. Who am I? Redeemed child of God. Where am I going? I'm going to heaven, so why am I here? There's an Old Testament story of three blind men that ran out. They were lepers and blind. They, were, they weren't blind. They were lepers. And they were outside the city because they couldn't stay in the city. And the enemies that surrounded the city. Well, God came and destroyed all the armies of the enemies. And the three lepers were the first to walk out among where the troops were all dead. 185,000 men all dead and all the loot. And they were reveling in it. And then they said, we can't just take this for ourselves we got the whole city that's been besieged for a while of people in there we got to go tell them and it wasn't the have to it was a get to right running into the city the lord has destroyed the enemy well people the lord has destroyed your biggest enemy death the one that haunted me the one that 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 confronted me as i stood and looked at the caskets of both my parents death has been defeated by christ my purpose is to tell you that. Why am I here? To live in that joy, to apply that joy, and to share that joy. And it's a, ha- it's a get-to, not a have-to. And it's that way for you, too. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven great preachers who never pastored a church because they understood their purpose. As Christians, Clint Rogas Sr. used to sit right over there with Betty about where Jim and Ermy are in his 80s down at Seton. Came to see him. It was near the end. Had his study Bible next to his bed. He read it every day in the hospital because he loved to. And before I left, that's that last hospital call with him in a very blurry written check he wrote his monthly offering to his church and said please take this to the church pastor still wanting to spread the gospel from a week before he died hospital room in his late 80s because he knew his purpose was to share the word right he also told me about a nurse he wanted me to talk to because <laughs> he had been witnessing to her Wally Reek some of you remember and raise your hand if you remember Wally Reek I just want to validate that some of you would know who this guy was. 
he was here when I came as a young pastor, and I went to see him in his last days in the ICU, and he, in, and I thought I was going to make a call on him, and no, I was going because he had set up a, a he made sure I was there at a certain time because it was the shift of a nurse that he'd been working on to tell her about God, and so here I am at his bedside, and the nurse comes walking in, and he goes, I've been wanting you two in the same room, pastor, give her Jesus. Got the oxygen on. Knew his purpose, didn't he? Wasn't taken away. Elaine Poldrack, her husband's right there. Had, a, had rheumatoid arthritis, the drugs and age just made her skin like, like very, very thin. She so had to wrap it because it would open. And I went to see her at the nursing home, and, and the guy that's wrapping her legs happened to, you know, their appointments take priority, so the preacher's there, but, you know, that guy's going to move on to the next room, and she's not going to get wrapped. So while I'm there... He comes in and he starts wrapping her legs. And she said, Pastor, and she starts telling his life story. I don't, I, she must have had permission. Elaine always had permission because people just listened to her. But she's, she's telling his life story to me, saying, And Pastor, I've been telling him about Jesus and about our church and everything. She knew her purpose, didn't she? She set it up that somebody would get to talk to him. John, John Chris, spelled like Christ still alive in a nursing home in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, very active. Built their la- in the last 10 years, he built their church as a, you know, a guy, that, a contractor. He, uh, now he's had a couple of strokes, and he's in his late 70s, and he's in the nursing home. And, you, and, and I, was, I call John about once a month on the phone to see how he's doing. And he says, Pastor, I got a big bowl of candy in my room. He says, you ought to, he says the people that work in a nursing home are hurting. They are hurting so bad, these nurses and the aides and everybody. And he said, I have candy because that's the way I get them to come to my room when they're not just coming to poke and prod on me. And he said, then I can talk to them about their life. And I ask him what I could pray for. And then when I ask him what I could pray for, they share their problems. And then I can give them Jesus as a salve for their problems. So he has candy as bait in order to witness to Christians. And he's just living it up in Jesus because he knows his purpose, right? Imogene Fenwick, you've heard the story if you've been with me in, my, in these preaching years, was a little old lady that lived in the, the Buckner Villa next door, and she uh, was very short, in her four foot two or three, and she, she was dying, and the family called me, and I went down to Seton there again, and she was in ICU, and I, just as I came in, I talked to the nurse, and she said the cardiologist just left and he said her heart is about to give out she's only got a day or two and I said does she know it and she said yes so I went in there and I said Imogene you had a doctor in here what did he say mask pastor he says I'm gonna die I said how are you feeling and she said he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee that's Isaiah 26 verse 3 she's given me scripture that she's clinging to because she understood her destiny and her purpose. Then she went on to tell me, I've lived a good life. I've had the grace of God. God's been, been giving me so much forgiveness and love, and I'm good, and I'm ready to go see him. Preaching to the preacher. And then finally, a benefactor for our congregation is a member who just passed away last May, and he uh, lived a bachelor's life. And he left a large part of his modest estate to this congregation and to our college and to our synod. And his name is Ron Houts. And Ron loved to, to uh, work in the stock market, you know, sitting there at home. And he understood it enough to not lose his shirt on it. 
And I'd say, Ron, are you doing this for entertainment in your 80s or what? He goes, Pastor, the more I can make, the more I'll leave behind for Jesus. Okay, so I gave you lots of examples. The reason? I wanted you to see that these people are our friends. They are us. And they lived in the gospel, and their lives came to an end, but their lives were fulfilling and fulfilled to the end because they believed the Easter message and they let it interpret their lives. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, right? But he did. And so let's walk through life knowing who we are, why we're here, and where we're going with our face up, with a smile, saying, I'm going to be okay. Amen. Christ is risen.